If you have your Bible, and I hope you do, join me this morning in Romans chapter 1. We are, we're about to take a journey together, and this is going to last for a while. Uh, we're, we're going to walk literally verse by verse through the book of Romans, all 16 chapters of it. And it's, uh, it's going to take us a while to do this, uh, but we'll, we'll have some breaks in there too. But this is, you know, is going to take us a while, but it's going to be so very good to do this together. And we'll, we'll talk about that in just a second, but I want to ask you a question before we dig into Romans. And today is really a whole lot of introduction stuff. Because uh, we've got to understand what we're reading and what we're exploring together. So there will be a, a lot of introduction today. Um, but I've got a question for you as we start. Do you ever want to be right? Always? Okay. Do you ever want to be right? I, I, you know, I think, uh, I, I know at one time, sometime or another, that's, that's how we all feel. We, we want to be right. Um, or even think we're right, right? Uh, so, and, and I, yeah, there's, there's lots of laughter, and, and y'all kind of get that. We're either right or we think we're right. And, you know, here's, here's some facts for us. The Internet's always right. <laughs> we agree on that, right? The Internet's always right. I don't know how to say this politically correct, so I'm just going to say it. The weatherman is always right. Right? Always. The weatherman is always right. And men are always right. Right? I mean, men are always right. I'm always right. And here, here's, here's a great example of how I'm always right. Uh, the other night I was cooking, which I, I love to cook, but I was cooking and making a meatloaf. And I needed the big, yeah, it's good stuff too. I needed the big flat metal spatula so that I could get it out of a pan and do some things with it. And I asked where it was. And I was informed where it was. So I went and I looked in the top rack of the dishwasher that was clean. I pulled it out and I looked. And I closed it and shut the dishwasher, and I went back over to the drawer, and I said, where is that big steel spatula? It's in the dishwasher. And I said, no, it is not. Just like that. And th yeah, just like that. And then she said, have you looked? And very kindly, I said, of course I have, sweetheart. And so she walked over to the dishwasher, opened it, pulled the rack out, picked up the spatula, kindly handed it to me. Yeah, so, so then I could finish the meatloaf. But, you know, I, I really think, and, and, and there's a whole lot of, of laughter in that on purpose, because we all do that, right? We, we all we all do. When we say something and, and we're chasing hard after something, we think we're right or we wouldn't do it. I mean, that, that's just the truth about us because there's no reason if we're not right. But there's, there's times when we're not, and that hurts sometimes, uh, but it's, it's just a reality for us of life, and that honestly does. 
that sets the stage for us for our journey through the book of Romans. Because here's, there, there's lots, oh my gosh, there are so many, so many little nuggets of truth in this book, but there's also some giant chunks of reality, reality for us as believers that we need to not only know, but we, need, we really need to understand and we need to be right about it. And here's to kind of give you the, the big picture of the book of Romans because we're, we're going to now dig into it really, really hard. Um, the book of Romans overall, there's like an overarching theme to the book. And that's the righteousness of God. That's the overarching thing of the book of Romans. The righteousness of God. The righteousness that he pours on us when we believe and when we trust in his son. Uh, but the, the righteousness of God. And not, don't, don't catch that just as, as the word right. Because again, but he is always right. But it, it's not like this weight that sits on us of, well, God's always right and I'm always wrong. But his righteousness is a good thing. We, we want that. And again, as believers, he pours that righteousness on us. And through the blood of his son, we are righteous people. We are right before God because of what Jesus did for us. And that's, that's what we're going to be digging into for, for a while as we journey through the book. And here's, here's a, a heathism that, um, that helps me kind of, of think about that whole idea of being right. The book of Romans, what we're going to learn and study is how to be right with God, with ourselves, and with others. I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the big picture of, of what we'll be looking at. And it's, there's, going to be, <laughs> there's going to be some ups and downs to it. Because like this week is the introduction. And we're just kind of laying some groundwork of who Paul was and the kind of the base message of this writing to this church in Rome. But then next week, don't, don't skip next week because I'm going to tell you this, but the next week kind of gets a little bit, <laughs> because we'll, we're, we'll really talk about the, the judgment of God next week. So, you know, it, it's going to kind of have some of that feel to it, but all of it, all of it as a letter comes together to give us that rightness with God. And it's, it's, it's just so, so good. And this is, I'm going to tell you up front um, so that you kind of know for, for me too as we're going through this. This is a brand new kind of thing for me um, as, as a teacher, pastor, preacher, whatever you call me, dork. I, I don't know what you call me. Um, you know, what I've usually done as, as teaching is to, to base off of a theme and break down into two or three week chunks on a theme uh, from Scripture um, and, and teach on that with application. This, walk through this book verse by verse, this is a, this is a new adventure for me. Um, so it's, it, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. I'm very excited about it. Uh, but at the same time, um, it, it's, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for me. I even told Karen this last week, this, and this is week one. I told her, this is the hardest sermon I've ever worked on, trying to, 
just trying to kind of keep a focus um, because there's squirrels that run around a lot and you know to kind of keep a focus and not get ahead of myself and what this is called because I just I like to to share these kind of things with you this is this is called expository preaching and, and that's a big seminary word that all it means is that um, all it means is that we're going to try to explain and describe as we go through. That's all that word means, and I won't ever use it again. I think that's the third time since I graduated from seminary that I've used that word. But again, we're, we're going to dig in uh, to Paul's letter and just see what it says, and, then, and see what it says to us and how it applies to us as well. Because while this was written in about A.D. 55-56, basically 2,000 years ago, to a specific church in Rome, it still applies to us today. Big time applies to us today. So let's go to the book. Let's go to, uh, or to the letter, excuse me, Romans. And together, um, let's read verses 1 through 17. We'll read through those, and then we're going uh, to go um, kind of in chunks through this. Um, it says, or Paul writes, this letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach the good news. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into, the, into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. And you are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I am writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be his own holy people. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. And then continuing in verse 8. Let me say first that I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. God knows how often I pray for you. Day and night I bring you and your needs in prayer to God whom I serve with all my heart by spreading the good news about his Son. One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come and see you. For I long to visit you so I can bring a very special spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I was planning many times to visit you but I was prevented until now. I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit just as I have seen among other Gentiles. For I have a great sense of obligation to, to people in both the civilized and the rest of the world, to the educated and the uneducated alike. So I am eager to come to you in Rome too to preach the good news. In verse 16, and to tell you ahead of time, verse 16 and 17 these are, it's, it's just a, a word that I always use. These are the hook for the book of Romans, verses 16 and 17. This is, what, this is what this letter is about. 
Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work moving, excuse me, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. The good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. And so for us this morning, those are, those are the verses as we start out on this journey together. Those are the verses uh, that we're going to focus on. And just, again, to give you a little bit more understanding about what we'll be spending some time in. The book of Romans itself this is not, uh, and, and, and understand this, and this is what we will walk through together uh, to, to come to a better understanding together, but this is not a letter that's intended for sightseeing and just a little bit of reading here and there, and, and that's it. This is deep. We're, gonna, we're going to get deep, intentionally deep. And it, this study, this time together is going to take a whole lot of thought and consideration. What, what I pray for you is just like I pray for me as I'm studying this out, that it's, it's provoking and challenging you in here in your mind, but also in here in your heart about life and how, how, how you're living, how I'm living my life of faith as a Christ follower. And, and it, it will. This is, this is going to cause us to all ask ourselves some questions, but it's, it's going to be worth. It's going to be worth the time, and it's going to be worth the journey that we take together. And, and speaking of journeys, I told you earlier this was written somewhere around A.D. 55 to 57. Paul wrote this letter on his third missionary journey, and I won't bore you with a lot of history, but he wrote it on his third missionary journey from Corinth with the vision and the dream to go to Rome. As we read in the scripture, he wanted to go and to visit Rome. He had not been able to yet. He had been even prevented from going there. And here, here's what Paul's plans are for this church in Rome that an apostle like Paul or Peter or others didn't physically plant. Really don't know how. The Church of Rome started. Most of the churches in this part of the world are just like us here at Crosswalk Pflugerville. One of the apostles went and planted a church in a city, and, and usually that turned into multiple churches. That's kind of that, that vision and plan for a church plant, just like for us, to multiply. But an apostle would go and do that. They would take the word to the other parts of the world, the Great Commission that we've talked about so many times. And they would go and they would start churches and introduce people to Jesus Christ. But Rome, this church, and, and more than likely churches in, in the area, that's not how it happened. Historians believe that this church was started because of the persecution that took place that we can study in the book of Acts. If you, if you go to the book of Acts in your Bible and read... And the persecution erupted, and people fled. And it's believed that Jewish people, Jewish believers, ran, and they got to Rome and started this church. 
So there's, no, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, it's, it's a church of believers, but Paul has this desire to go and to see what they're doing, to help, and then the opportunity, just like for us, the opportunity to share the gospel with others, to be on the ground with this church in a big city. Rome was the place then. Uh, and to go and to be with them and the opportunity uh, to work with them and to share with them so that the church could grow. But here's something, and, and these are the things I love as I, as I study these things out. Here's a, here's a catch for you to, to really understand some of the connection. You know who Paul is, right? Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ. But do you know who Paul is? Paul is formerly... Saul, the Pharisee, Saul, who held the coats of the men that stoned Stephen, that started the persecution of the Christians. Now, because of the experience that he had, because he had an apostle, an appointed one, that term apostle, that means they had, uh, they literally had a face-to-face -face encounter with the Messiah. And, and were called to go. Paul's experience on the road to Damascus, when he met Jesus face to face and was told, you're to go. And he took Jesus at heart and he went. But this same, this same man, think about how good God is. This same man that was out to destroy the movement, he was out to destroy these Jesus followers, is now writing to Many of his letters are our New Testament, but he's writing to, about, writing to this church about his desire to come to them, the ones who ran during the persecution, now to go and to help them grow the church. It's kind of it's mind-blowing, isn't it? How God constructs things and who God can use in his work. Remember, the righteousness of God. And our desire to be right with God and ourselves and others. I, ju I, just, think that's, I just think that's an incredible, um, an incredible connection. So let's, let's dig in and looking, looking at the time, we're not going to get very far. We're going we're gonna to still be in this little section next week. But let's, uh, let's take a look then, just based on that, let's, let's take a look at those, those first seven verses this morning just to, just to get us started. Because to understand again who Paul is, and remember like we were just talking about, Paul, the man who thought his job was to shut down this Jesus movement, this thing that was called the way, and his, that was his job because he, he was a good Jewish man. He was an educated Jewish man. He knew what the scripture said. He, he knew what was supposed to happen. And in, in his heart, he knew that this wasn't the way it was all supposed to happen. But man, he had, he had that encounter with Jesus Christ that changed everything for him. And, you know, I hope for us that's, that's part of our story as well. Those, those encounters um, that, that change everything and change our heart from, you know, the idea that, because I know this is, this is true in our hearts. I can tell you stories from, from me and from my past. 
I'm not somebody that Jesus can use. I've made a mess of my life. I've made a mess of all of this other stuff. And, and I'm not saying this to brag. I'm saying this because it steers, still strikes fear in me today knowing who I was. I'm standing here this morning talking to you as a pastor of a church about a man that God can call and use in crazy ways. And please don't hear that I'm saying I'm like Paul because I'm nothing like Paul. But I want you to hear for you. God can use you. God can wreck your life if you'll let him and do amazing things with you and through you that you could never imagine could happen if, if you're willing to let him do that because of his righteousness that is so good. So let's go back. And again, we're going to really quickly uh, look at verses 1 through 7, but I want to reread it again just to, to make sure that it's fresh in our heads. This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach the good news. God promised this good news long ago through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son in his earthly life. He was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. And you're included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I am writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his own holy people. May God, our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, give you grace and peace. And I want to, I want to point out one thing for you uh, back in verse uh, 5. Did you catch those two words, so that, that were in that verse? Um, just something as you study the scripture and, and read. Anytime you see those words, so that, that means it was this way. But something else is coming. Something changed so that something else would happen. That's called a henna clause. As, as you read and study the scripture, watch for those. And, 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 and see what, what is happening because it's telling you that there was something. But through Christ, through God's work, this is coming or this has happened. And it's this so that this. Anyway, just a, a little tip as you... As you spend time, spend time in the scripture. But for Paul, here's what, to, here's what to catch. Again, that idea of who God can use. And there's no, there's no limits on that. Paul, Paul is writing this letter kind of to, to establish, uh, because these people have never met him, to kind of establish some credentials so they understood who he was writing to them and who he was as he was preparing to come. But he identifies himself as a servant, or in translation, a slave. And in, in the time and in, in, those, uh, in the words and to the people of Rome, not just the church, but the people of Rome, they, that word would have meant something. Because slavery was a common thing. And so they, they, that would have registered real quickly with them as, you know, he's somebody's piece of property that he's not really a person, not really a human being. He's, there's, he's indebted to somebody. 
And there's, there's a reality to that. Paul, identif identifying himself as a servant, he's identifying himself not as a piece of property, but as a devoted servant of Christ, a devoted follower of Christ, someone who is in love with Jesus and is willing to do his will, willing to do whatever Christ has asked him to do. And it's not, it's not a burden, and it's not a task, and it's not something that's just like, oh, I guess i got to go do that. And it's not in a, in a desire to necessarily pay back anything, even though Paul, just like us as believers, we owe our lives to Christ. We owe a debt that we cannot pay, and we owe a debt that we don't have to pay. But in that terminology, Paul is letting the people know that's how devoted to Jesus Christ he is. He considers himself a servant of Christ, willing to do whatever Christ calls him to do. He identifies himself as a, an apostle. And, and we've already discussed that just a few minutes ago about his encounter with Jesus Christ, that face-to-face that -face encounter the, that he had when Jesus commissioned him to go and to tell. So Paul's identifying him, himself as an apostle, which gives him some authority uh, because in Rome, the emperor was considered an apostle considered to be commissioned to do uh, the work. And so Paul's identifying himself basically on the same level with the emperor of, of Rome, which would have been a big statement to the people. He identifies himself as a preacher, bringing the good news, the good news, the gospel of Christ, that, that truth, the good news that Christ lived on this earth, was was born in the flesh, God in flesh, lived on this earth, was crucified, buried, and then rose again, defeated death for our salvation. And, and that message is what he's carrying as, as he's traveling again. This is his third missionary journey. He's been many places already, but as he's he, in his heart, desiring to come to Rome to spend time with this church, he's telling them what the prophets already told them, what they had already read, because they didn't have the New Testament. This, this is part of the New Testament. The New Testament was happening and being recorded. But they knew what the Holy Scripture, what we call the Old Testament, said from the prophets about the good news of the coming king. And so Paul's... Paul's declaring that to them, and then he's identifying himself as a missionary. And he says to the Gentiles, to understand again another word that we throw around all the time, he's a missionary to the world, to anyone outside of, out, outside of Jerusalem, those that the, the Jewish people, the set-apart people of God. Gentiles is everybody else. And so Jesus sent him to the world so that all nations would know and Paul will get to Rome he'll get to Rome pretty soon after this letter but not like he wanted to go he's going to get there in chains because for for right now where we are in the letter he's he's telling them he's he's headed to Jerusalem and we'll we'll dig into this a little bit next week but he's headed to, to Jerusalem to take 
basically an offering back to the church that he had collected on the journey to help those in Jerusalem that were in need. And he was going to do that. And then on his way to Spain, to take the good news to Spain, he was going to come through Rome and spend a little time with them. It doesn't quite happen that way. Paul gets to Rome in chains because he's arrested in Jerusalem. Because he's speaking against the authorities of the temple and the authorities of Jerusalem. So they arrest him and they send him. And that journey, we, we won't even get to really explore that journey. But shipwrecks and snake bites and all kinds of stuff that happens to him between Jerusalem and Rome. He does get there, just not the way that he intends from his writing right now. So next week we'll pick up um, in verse 8. So Lisa, our schedule's already off. One first week, we're, we're already off schedule. So we'll, we'll pick up in verse 8 next week. But be here. Bring somebody with you to hear. And, and, and hear our heart. Joe talked about this earlier this morning too. We're not, we're not beating you up to invite your friends and to bring your friends just because we want people sitting in the chairs around the room. We want your friends and our friends, we want them to hear about the goodness of God. And we want them to hear about who Jesus is and this good news and to know him, to surrender their life to him and to know him. That's, that's, that's the opportunity, the introduction to bring our friends so that they can hear. Of course, first, they're going to hear it from you because of your life that you're living in front of them and, and how you're, you're sharing with them. But we, we want them to, to know who God is and to experience a community together and, and to be a part of this family or another family. They may not choose Crosswalk Pflugerville as their church home, and that's okay. There's plenty of churches to go to. We just want them to know and to hear the good news and to understand the righteousness of God. And again, that, that teaching to be right with God with ourselves and with others. And let's pray together. Father, this morning we do. Uh, we're just so thankful, uh, God, for the truth of your word. And Father, we're so thankful for your love for us, God, for your plan, how, you've, how you have orchestrated this through history, through thousands of years. So that the world could know the goodness of your son. And so that the world could know that they can trust him and can live in your righteousness. So God, as, as we end our time here together this morning and, and we go out... God, use us. <laughs> Give us courage, just like you gave Paul. And God, I pray that we're, we're all in tune with how you're calling each of us to go to the places and be your light everywhere. 
It's not just about church on Sunday morning. It's about our day-to-day lives wherever we go. And God, I pray that, uh, that we're in tune with you and following your call. And Father, we love you. God, we trust you. And we'll always, always acknowledge the reality that we need you so very much. And we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship together. How good is he?